chapter 17. And this is another one of those pregnant pauses, shall we say, in the Bible. Between chapter 16, the end of 16, and the beginning of 17, 13 years pass. And remember, at the end of 16, we had uh, Ishmael was born, and you, know, you hear absolutely nothing from, from the Bible about Ishmael. You don't hear that Ishmael grew up to be a good kid. You don't hear that, that uh, you know, he was, he was, you know, the apple of Abraham's eye. You don't hear anything. But 13 years passed before we get to chapter 17. And chapter 17 is going to be very pivotal. Because we're going to see God saying, it's time. Finally. Because almost 25 years before, what had God promised? Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have descendants like the sand of the sea. You were, you know, it, it, you're going to have a great name. And all the nations will be blessed by you. And we kind of saw in the interim, they make their own plan and it doesn't go quite well. But God finally, in chapter 17, says, Abram, it's time. And because of that, we're going to see some name changes. God's going to give some names to, uh, different names to folks. And part of it also is part of who he is. So let's grab our Bibles. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to read the first eight verses of Genesis 17. Now Abram was 99 years old. Boy, we could just stop right there, couldn't we? No, you know, God, God comes and says, how old is too old? Well, apparently not 99. When Abram was 99 years old, God appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name will be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you, your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession I will be their God, and I will be their God. Wow. God says it's time. I'm going to fulfill. And if you, there, it's been interesting. Anybody been watching what's going on over in Israel right now? A lot of stuff going on. If they, they had a little ceasefire. And uh, I noticed that, that uh, 
our government is proposing a, uh, a, a two-country rule. That they want to have a Palestinian country and, a, and an Israelite country. And I got news for you. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's theirs. Now they, now they may get it for a little while. The Palestinians may get it for a little while. But I guarantee you, God's going to restore Israel to its full boundaries one day. It's going to happen. Well, there's a, there's a couple names in here I want us to grab a hold of. Because this is important in how we look at what God does in our lives. Do you realize how many promises God has in the Word of God for you? Over 3,000 promises that are for you, for every one of us. They're not just, oh, well, it's over here for Don, and this one over here is for, for Judy. They're for all of us, over 3,000 promises. And the reason God can do that is, is found right here in the name that he uses, God Almighty. El Shaddai. You guys heard the song before, you know, El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the powerful of the powerful. It is the same word that's used in Genesis for the creator God. And, and when he comes, he introduces himself as who? God Almighty. I am the creator. Abram, if you ever had a question as to whether this covenant is going to come about, I'm God the creator. That's what he, what he comes to Abraham with. Trust me, I'm God the creator. It's been almost 25 years, Abram. But I told you the day was going to come that I would use both you and Sarah. And, and, God said, and God said, I needed to wait because it had to be the creator God who made it happen. It wasn't going to be, oh, well, yeah, say Abraham and Sarah got together. They had to wait. God had to wait till Sarah couldn't have babies anymore. Till she had went through menopause so that she couldn't have babies anymore. God had to wait because it was God Almighty, it was El Shaddai that was going to be the one that was going to complete the promise, complete the covenant that he said he was going to do. And I want you to notice what he says to Abram. He says, you're no longer Abram. Abram means exalted father. Big daddy, right? If you're in the, anybody knows somebody in the south named Big Daddy? If you've ever been to the south, usually every town has Big Daddy. He's the guy who kind of, the guy around town that, that everybody goes to to get things done. Well, that was kind of exalted father, big daddy. Abram was the guy who was, was always getting things done if somebody needed, you know, something to happen. He got it done. Well, he changes his name to Abram, to Abraham. Father of a multitude. Now I want you to, we're going to talk a lot about laughter in this chapter. I want you to think about it. Here's a guy that has, 90, he's 99 years old and he has one son. And God names him the father of multitudes. 
hey, father of multitudes and your one son. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? But God's way, he's looking ahead. He's saying, Abram, it's going to be, and before he said it's going to be like the sand of the sea. Now he says it's going to be like the stars of the sky. If I can create the billions, remember he took Abram out and he said, look up into the sky and start counting. And if you can count all the stars in the sky, then you can count how many your descendants are going to be. And God says, that's how many you're going to have. And so God changed his name to reflect not who he was, but who he was going to be. And matter of fact, he, he adds something here that we haven't seen before in any of the other covenant promises. He says, you're going to be the father of many nations and many kings. Not just that you're going to have a whole lot of kids. You're going to have a lot of descendants. Now he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Not just the nation of Israel, because now we have Ishmael involved, right? And Ishmael is going to be blessed. And God's going to do a work with him. Well, let's go on and see what he has to say in Genesis 9 through 14. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after me throughout the generations. This is my covenant, which you will keep between me and you and your descendants after after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between you and me. And every male among you who is eight days old will be circumcised through your generations, a servant who is born in your house or who is bought, bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants." A servant who is born in your house or is brought, bought with money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So God says, I'm going to give you a sign. Now, now don't get confused with who is going to ultimately make the covenant happen. This is simply a sign. Circumcision was used widely during the days of Abraham. And it was circumcision was a sign of a new tribe. God says there's going to be a new tribe. And we're starting right here. We're starting with you and we're starting with Sarah. And I want everybody in your tribe to be circumcised. And so it wasn't like circumcision was going to be the completion of the covenant. God was saying, now this is your part to show that you're set aside. You know, you're set aside. Are, as Christians, are we set aside? We certainly are. We are known as a what? A peculiar people. It's what God calls us. We're set aside people. And God says, I want to have a sign with you. And what does he call it in the New Testament? I want you to be circumcised of the heart. As believers, we're circumcised of the heart. We are set apart in our heart because what does the Bible say? With your mouth you confess 
that he is Lord, and with you heart, with your heart, you believe unto salvation. So we are set apart just like the Jews were. We're circumcised in our heart. That's when we say, okay, God, I'm yours. That's the sign he gives to us. So we have this sign of circumcision. We're going to talk a little bit about that because uh, it shares with it later on in this chapter. But I also want you to notice who else gets a new name. Look at uh, 15 and 16. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but you shall, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations, and kings and peoples will come from her. Now hold on, because Sarah means my princess. It's a personal pronoun. She was Abraham's princess. And all of those years, she's now 89, right? All of those years she had been Abraham's princess. And remember how beautiful we, we know that she was because Pharaoh, and she's still a beautiful, beautiful lady because we're going to see next week what happens. Or maybe it's two weeks from now. Anyway. We're going to see how beautiful Sarah still is. She is Abraham's princess. And guys, we should take a little bit of uh, encouragement from the way Abraham talks about his wife. My princess. Well, she's going to be changed to just the word princess. Takes away that personal piece to it, that, that Abraham's princess. She becomes... God's princess. She said, God says, what? She's going to be the mother of nations. She's going to be the mother of kings. Doesn't change her name. Just takes it. says, Abraham, she's not just yours anymore. She's mine. I'm going to take Sarah. And I'm going to bless all the nations through Sarah. Well, what a wonderful Name change, you know, I would love to be called God's Ben, right? He, he makes that change. Well, let's look on further, 17 through 21. And Abram fell on his face and, and laughed. Ooh. Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man a hundred years old? And will Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant 
I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear for you at this season next year. Wow. God says, I'm going to do this. And what does Abram do? <laughs> he laughs. Is laughter always the best medicine? You remember, anybody still read Reader's Digest? I, I get it every month. Laughter is the best medicine. And, and this laughter is going to be a theme, not only in this chapter, but as we go along, laughter comes into play. Now, I want you to notice, we're going to see Sarah in a little bit is going to laugh. God's going to rebuke her. But God doesn't rebuke Abraham. And, I, and, and you kind of scratch your head a little bit. Well, have you ever laughed in joy? Why, just one reader's digest sweepstakes, right? Or, or now you can win the, the COVID lottery, right? I don't know. You, I, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't, I'm not going to get into the political realm here. So, but, but we can laugh with God. Really, God? I'm, I'm 99 years old. Sarah's. 89 years old, and you're going to give us a baby? Why don't you just use Ishmael? And God says, yeah, I think God laughed back. He said, no, no, Abraham, it's between you and Sarah. The day that you took Sarah as your wife, I had this set in motion for you, and I, that's been the plan all along. Ishmael is just a little side thing that's going on. But because you ask, I'm going to bless him too. And, and did you notice the blessing that he put on Ishmael? How many sons would Ishmael have? Twelve. How many, how many sons of Israel are there? Twelve. Oh, isn't that kind of amazing? God says, I'm going to bless Ishmael as much as I'm going to bless Isaac, but Isaac is the promised one. And anybody know what Isaac means in Hebrew? He laughs. Isn't that great? God says, we're going to laugh together because everybody that walks by is going to go, you're kidding me. Abraham and Sarah have a kid Sarah's 99 year, uh, Sarah's 90 years old when she has Isaac. And people would walk by and, and they wouldn't laugh in derision. They would go, praise God. Remember we talked about Ruth when Naomi had, had uh, Naomi said, you know, Ruth, go to Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth had a baby and they laid it on Naomi's lap and all the ladies came and they were glad because she said, your name's no longer sorrow, but it's laughter. Isaac is, he laughs. And I love the fact that God has this sense of humor with him. You know, we, you know so, so often, you know, we, we judge Christians by the degree of their frown, you know, because we're so pious, right? I, th I think just the opposite. We ought to judge Christians by the 
the arc of their smile and their laugh because that's what God says. He wants us to be hilarious givers, right? He wants us to live a life of abundance and full of joy, and that should be pouring out on our face. And he says, Isaac, he laughs. Well, I want you to notice Abraham's obedience. God has told him that he is to circumcise everybody. And look at uh, verse 23. And let's look at Abraham's obedience. And he says, And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all of his servants who were born in his house, and all who were bought by money, every male among them of Abraham's household, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin on that very same day, as God said to him. Now Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and of the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and in that very same day, Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son and all the men of his household who were born in the house or bought with money from the foreigner were circumcised with him. And I want you to notice two things about Abraham's obedience. The first, it was immediate. It was immediate. That very same day, he didn't wait. Okay, God, I'm going to think about this for a little bit, and uh, we'll put it on the schedule. Uh, let me get my let me get my day timer out here, and I'm going to put it in my put it in my schedule, and and we'll we'll get this taken care of. No, he did it that very same day. Secondly, I want you to notice it was complete. It was complete. I mean, he said, he said, I'm going to. Ishmael, even though I know that God is not going to use you to create the nation of Israel, I'm still going to, because God's blessed you, and you're part of my household. Ishmael, and all of his household, just as God has said. The second was how complete it was. Every one of the people that God says, you need to circumcise, he did. It was immediate and it was complete. I, that should be a little clue for us, right? When God asks us to do something, when God puts something in your heart, it's, oh, well, let me schedule this in my book. No, it's, it's immediate and it's complete. God wants us to do what he asks us to do and he wants us to do it when he asks us to do that. And as we look uh, I want you to notice what happens when we, when we do that, when we are absolute, we're immediate and we're complete. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I want you to <clears throat> look at what Joshua had to say to the nation of Israel. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God. Catch that word? If you diligently Obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. 
Blessed shall, shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, and blessed shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beast, and the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in, and blessed shall be you when you go out. You think God wants to bless you? Absolutely. He says, if you'll obey me, if you'll be immediate and you'll be complete, look at all the blessings that you get. He says, I'm going to bless your work. Whatever you do. Now, we, most of us aren't, most of us don't raise cattle and we don't have, you know, we don't subsistence live anymore, but they did in those days. And look at all the blessings that God said. He said, you're going to walk out and we're going to see those blessings as God works through, through Isaac and then with Jacob and all the way through, as God works to, to create this new tribe, this new nation called Israel, we're going to see God bless them. And God wants to bless us too. But, but it starts with what? Obedience. Abraham obeyed God with what? He had. James talks a little bit about this, doesn't remember? James, when we went through James, what did James have to say? But prove yourselves doers of the word and not mere hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately has forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently, where? At the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, that man will be what? Blessed in all that he does. Don't you want to be blessed? Right here. It's right here. He says, if you'll look at this, if you'll use this for your mirror into your soul, ask God what you want to do, what, you, what he has for you to do, and let it shine back on you and do those things, then God will do them. Well, let's, uh, let's keep going. We want to we see a couple more things, how God deals with Abraham and Sarah. So we're, we're in chapter 18, and we're going to go to verse 15. I'm going to read this because it all fits together, and then we'll come back. I want to pick a couple things out of it. 18, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. Now, now this is not a big gap of time. This is just God's made this promise. He allowed, he allowed Abraham to obey him. And, and a short time later, because we know we need nine months, right? We got it. She's, she's going to be pregnant for nine months. So sometime in the next month or two, God comes back. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, where he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed down, bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, 
if I know, if I now, if now, excuse me, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so, so do as you have said. So Abram hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. And Abram ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant and he hurried to prepare it. And he took curds and milk and the calf which had been prepared and placed it before them and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. And they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, there in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah your wife will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. And Sarah, if you had any doubts at 89, Sarah was past childbearing. Okay? Let's make it clear. We're going to put a highlighter on this one. Sarah couldn't have babies. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After having become old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, Abram was not a spring chicken. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At this time next year, Sarah will have a son. And Sarah denied, however, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. A little bit different kind of laughter going on here with Sarah. But I want to jump back. I want to get a couple things on what Abram had to say. Abram said, do not pass me by. Please do not pass your servant by. You know, there's an old hymn. Anybody know the old hymn? Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art passing, do not pass me by. Amen? Amen. And, and don't we, I mean, 
the old hymns have some really good stuff in them, don't they? Because how many times has God come and we see God moving and we, and, and we get too busy? Or we say, oh, I don't have what you need. And God says, all I need is availability. You don't have to have abilities. Look at Moses. Moses said, I can't speak. And God said, well, I'll help you. I'll give you Aaron. Gideon said, I can't lead. And, and God says, no, I think you can. You just need my power. You need my plan. So often, God is, is nearby and he wants to use us and we let him pass by. You see, they weren't coming. These three were not coming to visit Abram. Abram had to invite them in. You know where they were headed? They were headed to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's next week's sermon. That's where they were headed. Abram had to say, wait, come. I want to sit down with you. I want to have a meal with you. And did you know that God says that to each one of us? In, Re- in Revelation 3.20, when he's talking to the church, this verse is, is not about salvation. This verse is to believers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what will he do? I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. That's for you. That's for me. God wants to sit down at your table and say, hey, let's share a meal together. Let's talk about how your day was. You know, that, that's one of the things that they say is, is one of the biggest ways that we can help the generation today is to have one meal together at the, at the table so that they can sit down and they can share with one another. And we've lost that in so many ways. Where do we normally eat? Where, where does the family eat their dinner? Well, if it's in the back seat of the car because we just ran through McDonald's, right? Or we're eating in front of the television. And, and God says, no, I want to dine with you. I want to have, I want to have supper with you. And God invites us, and we need to invite him. Well, there's a couple other things I want you to pick, get out of this. Number one, or the next one, is God is always right on time. Don't you think Abram really wanted God to answer that, this, this blessing 25 years before? When God first came to him, he was 75 years old, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you all of this land where you've trod here. It's all going to be yours. And I'm going to bless everybody by you. I think Abram would have said, hey, you know, yeah, let's, let's do this. Right now, I'm feeling good. You know, he was, he was the, you know, this is, what did they say now? Uh, 70 is the new 50 or whatever. You know, he was, <laughs> he, was, he was saying, I'm feeling good. I'm in the prime of life. Sarah, my beautiful bride, is still able to have babies. Let's do this thing. And God says, now my timing's right. My timing is always right. First Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, but do not let this one fact escape, you, escape notice, beloved, that 
with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Sometimes we get ahead of God. We think, you know, okay, God, come on, let's, let's, let's get the timeline going. You know, we live in a fast-paced world, right? You know, something happens and, and our phone dings and, oh, hey, I've got something to do, right? I call it the tyranny of the, of the uh, uh, urgent, tyranny of the urgent. Boy, that, that phone runs our life. But God says, I have, maybe, maybe he is working in you to, to possess what it, what it costs for, for really praying. Did you know prayer costs? It costs you time. It costs you energy. It costs you that, that commitment to say, I'm going to pray. Because if we don't do those things, if we don't take the time, if we don't make the commitment, if we don't make the effort... At times, it's going to slip away. Something else will fill it up. I promise you it will. Because if nothing else, Satan's going to say, oh yeah, here, I got this really shiny object over here I want you to look at. Instead of praying. Right? So, so God wants us sometimes just to lean into what he has. And he says, I'm going to do it in my timing. Your job is to keep praying is to keep being uh, committed to me to stay the course. Our verse for this week is, or this month is Romans 5.8, but I want you to look at what comes in to, to verse 8, Romans chapter 5. For while we, were, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Aren't you glad that at the right time, God came down to save us. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. We don't bring anything to the table. He died for us in our sin. And he died at the right time. God will always be right on time. You know, there's the, the story of Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus was sick. He was a really good friend of Jesus. And Mary and Martha... They were, he would quite often go to Bethany, which was right outside of Jerusalem, and he would stay with them, and, uh, and Lazarus got sick. Jesus was down baptizing, not that far away, about 20 miles away, down on the Jordan River. He was down baptizing, and they sent a message. Lazarus is sick. Come quick. Jesus said, hold on. And in John 11, 4, it says, but when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. 
And he said, we're going to hang out here for a couple more days. There's a lot more people to be baptized down here. And Lazarus died. And finally, Jesus says, come on, guys, it's time to go. Four days. Four days. Now, why did, God, why did Jesus wait four days? Because that's when the Jews believed the, the soul finally ascended into Abraham's bosom. He was going to wait the full four days. There was no way. He waited four days. And everybody said, you're too late. Martha came running out, you're too late. Mary came running out, you're too late. And Jesus went to the tomb and, and, and he loved him so much. What does it say? The shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. But then what did he do? Lazarus! Come forth. Aren't you glad he, he spoke his name? Because if he hadn't, if he had just said, come forth, the whole graveyard would have come up. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. Jesus was right on time. Why? Because it brings him glory. There are things that we don't understand, but God is going to use. And when we get to heaven, we're going to say, God, I don't understand this. I, and he's going to say, I want you to see this from my perspective. And he's going to rewind the tape. And he's going to say, I want you to see this from my perspective. Because when I was holding off over here, when, I, when you were going through that cancer, when you were going through that time, when, you were, when a loved one died, when you were going through all of this stuff, I want you to see what I was doing behind the scenes. Because because of that time that I waited, this person came to Christ, and this person came to Christ, and this person came to Christ. And that nurse that helped you and saw you, your family praying together, came to Christ. He's going to say, you may not understand this now, but one day when you get to heaven, you will understand it all. Well, finally, despite our unbelief, God still fulfills his promises. Sarah laughed. She didn't believe that God could do it. I can't bear children. Abraham's an old man. How's God going to do this? But even in her unbelief, God still fulfilled his promise. And he's the one that did it. Sarah couldn't go back and, and rejuvenate her womb. God had to do that. Abraham couldn't provide what was needed. God had to do that. God had to rejuvenate them. And God will always fulfill his promises. Even if we don't believe he still will fulfill his promises. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore the Lord your God, he is God. And we ought to just stop right there. There are some times when we just need to say, God, you're God, and I'm not. Know therefore the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to the thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. Isn't that what God wants from us? He says, 
I want you to know I'm God. I'm, what did we start out with? God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. I am the powerful one. Whatever you need, I'm going to provide. That song that we sang when we started about all the different names of Jesus. What do you need? God says, come. He says, what do you need today? What did you, what did you come carrying into the service? He says, if you'll come to me, I promise you I'll take care of it. You may not understand the timing, but I will do it. I'll do it. And he proved that on the cross. Remember that verse we saw in Romans 6 and 7? It says that nobody would die for an unjust person. And maybe somebody might die for somebody who they knew really well. But Jesus, while we were yet sinners, died for us. He demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And on the cross, he shed his, he shed his blood. During that, that day, he, he was beaten. I, I, I think a lot of times we forget about what he went through physically on the way to the cross. When he sat down with his disciples and said, this is my body which is broken for you. He was looking ahead. He says, you guys don't understand what I'm going to go through. But I'm going to lay it all on the line for you. I, I'm going to, my body's going to be broken for you. He said, this is the blood that is going to be shed for the new covenant for the remission of sins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it all on the cross. Every ounce of my blood will drain from my body for you and for me. We have communion uh, in the center, in the back two corners, and up front here. We, we celebrate an open communion. So if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we welcome you to share with us in communion. Communion is in uh, two cups that are stacked with the wafer on the bottom, the juice at the top. If you would be kind enough to reach into the pew in front of you and use the hand sanitizer, we're going to do this as safely as we possibly can. And then just slip out, take those two, go back to your seat, and think about, God, what promise do you have for me today? What is the name I need to call on today because you have something special for me. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you gave Jesus to die for us so that we would remember who he was. He was Jesus, Savior, the great Redeemer, the great Physician, the name above all names, the name that at when we, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for giving him to us. Now bless this communion as we take it and remember who he is. And we pray this in Jesus' name.